everybody listening. Thank you for listening. But also, uh, obviously, we're going to be pretty high during this process. And if you're able to get high, we're legally possible. Please join us and get on our level. It might make it just a little bit more entertaining for you. So thank you and enjoy the show. <laughs> Do you want any more? Hi, <laughs> Tolerance. Intro of every episode of Trin Coffee. <laughs> okay. Oh. Okay. No matter what you're doing. Hi, I'm Trin. And I'm Sarah, and you're listening to High Tolerance, a show where we're going to be reviewing different strains of weed and finding the best ones to help you cope with all of life's worries and bullshit. So the way it's going to work is we're going to be smoking a different strain of weed in each episode that's going to be related to our topic and to something relating to tolerance. So we'll also have a different guest for each episode. And today we're really excited because we've got a super cool guest. She taught herself to code using public library computers. In 2018, Google made a documentary about her and she's been a frequent guest of the White House uh, (laughs) under the Obama administration, to be clear. Um, oh, and I'm sorry, fine. One more interesting fact, because I think it's really cool, is she appeared on the Girls Who Code Sisterhood album, which also featured tracks from Lizzo, and I'm sorry if I'm butchering this, Tiffany Goucher, and also DJ Khalil. So without further ado, this is Robin Mashi. Did I say that right? No, I fucked it up, didn't I? Moxie. <laughs> Maxi. Maxi. I fucked it up. Moxie. Oh, thank you. It's not an English-based word, so I, it's Algonquin-based, and it just means red, which oh, is... Oh, cool. Mm. Oh, What's okay. your middle name? <laughs> you know, like, the whole name is Robin Redbone, which we'll talk about that <laughs> Um So, Robin, tell us a little bit, like, have you... How long have you been smoking? Do you smoke regularly? Are you... So, I was one of the... I was so afraid of everything growing up, because I grew up with everything around me in a sense like Mm -hmm. and so it was one of those things where it was like i want to get out of the res i want to get out of this like i don't want to do anything and i was like yeah just like when you say res oh yeah yeah so the res is just like slang for reservation and i'm stockbridge mohican muncie our reservation is now in wisconsin but we're originally from stockbridge massachusetts area we were first contact people and my people are considered people from the waters that are never still And that brings us to our strain, which is Sour Power OG. So the OG of America (laughs) is sitting right next to us. (laughs) So um, so Sour Power is is a nice uh, kind of potent, not for low tolerance users, apparently. Uh, It's a deep creek blend that we've got going on. It's a hybrid. It's supposed to be motivating, creative, and focused. Sativa dominant, talkative, Lovely cultivating hybrid. Um, it's got an elevating head buzz with a berry, pine, diesel, and skunk strain. This is a body tingling and hungry high. Let's go ahead and take a whiff of this bad boy and spark it, shall we? It smells nice. It does smell skunky, I'll tell you that much. It smells good. <laughs> what does it taste like? Skunky. <laughs> I mean, it do, it do, it does have like a little bit of like a berry like flavor. Um, you definitely get that skunky kind of yeah smell and vibe. We're just it has that skunky aftertaste. Yeah, it's got that skunky aftertaste. It's such a comforting smell. 
Right. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because maybe, like, the smell of skunks reminds me of, like, road trips. Or just, like, weed reminds me of friends. I don't know. It's a question. But, but. doesn't it, though, you know, it's funny because we talk about this, too. Like, I, my apartment normally smells like either weed or, I don't know, something not that's weed. But... But Trin always says that, like, my apartment smells like it. And I'm like, it's a very comforting, homey scent. But anyway, it's, it, it is tasting, it tastes nice. So far, I mean, I mean, this is going to take a hit, a minute to hit. But yeah. from my understanding, it, it <laughs> definitely explained to me or uh, sold to me as, like, not for the faint-hearted. Oh. But, but Robin, that's okay because I feel you have put up with a lot of shit and probably smoked enough shit that... Uh, <laughs> That you'll be all right with that, right? Right. I was just checking it out with the THC wasn't in. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <clears throat> so sour power, OG strain, right? Sorry, we we digress as yes. we do. We're not even high yet. Uh, is uh, we wanted it for today's topic because today we're talking about entitlement. Uh, this episode is titled "High Entitlement." Well, that was kind of redundant, wasn't it? <laughs> um, and we want to talk to Robin because you are certainly someone who has worked the bottom to the top completely on your own. You taught yourself how to code. Holy shit. On public library computers. It's just fucking fascinating, you know? Yeah, so. well, I think when you talk about entitlement, it's always one of those things where people don't even realize how entitled they are to stuff. Like, in going back through indigenous, like, contact history when 1492 hit and people were entitled to our land. They're entitled to our culture. And we see this with other cultures, too, in the U.S., where people become entitled to this because they're like, well, I learned about this. I got this degree. I was dealing with that at work where there's somebody who has a degree in American Indian studies. Great. But why do you feel that you're entitled to be the voice on this topic when you're not from the community? You what you paid for this degree. And then I asked, I was like, were any of your teachers indigenous? No. And it's like, well, that that's a problem there because you feel that you're entitled to be the expert on it just because you read one book. And you have a we, piece of paper. Yeah, and we live the entire life. And a lot of elders, because elders in our community hold so much knowledge, but they don't have this PhD because that's a Western concept in a lot of ways. Not to say that they won't get one, but that's also another thing that people are, well, I do feel everyone is entitled to education and we should make education. That's a Absolutely. whole other argument. Mm. But the thing is to have this idea that like this person has this piece of paper and somehow knows this better than somebody who's lived it. That's where I start. It's like, who are you to be so entitled to that? But that's, that's a little bit of an interesting and touchy subject. Well, you see this a lot with, <clears throat> because there's a lot of what people forget is there's indigenous groups and in pretty much every culture. Like we are the, the OGs of the culture and then yeah, it becomes, are something else outside of this and there's i think when you start looking at how the u.s treats a lot of mexican and latin communities and they like they put these borders up that didn't exist 300 years ago that didn't exist and so there's still indigenous people but suddenly they're they're on this side of the wall so they don't have the same they're not entitled to rights they're not entitled to this and it's like who are you to come in here as a guest, you're entitled to take our land, our country, our crops, our products, our culture on top of it. And then this entitlement 
is inherited to your next generation who then wants to impose this on other people and say, well, they're not entitled to this. They don't get this. And it's really upsetting because I look around my community and I see where we don't have adequate health care or IHS, Indian Health Service is suffering. Things like this are we're not getting the same benefits. And then I see the same people who have imposed that structure telling other people that they're not entitled to it either. And you're just sitting here going... Like, how privileged are you? Let me ask you a question, because I've always had a question on this. And I I really don't know the answer. Maybe it's been said before, but it's like, okay, so someone came in, right, and took the land from natives, and they're saying, hey, now it's mine, and then natives say back, well, technically you took it from us, so what's their fucking argument back for, like, well, they well just, but technically, like, what? That's where erasure like comes into play and lack of representation, and we're the problem they tried to solve by not solving it. And so by just this slow erasure, by making sure that our stories are never told, that nobody knows our history, and if they do know our history, it's told by outsiders, mm-hmm. people outside of the history. We've seen this with the Vietnam War. We've seen this with a lot of other things where people who did not like, who did not live through this, who did not, may have read a book about it, may really like the culture. That again, does not make you an expert in it. Doesn't mean you're entitled to my, like, to the same cultural knowledge that I have. And also doesn't mean that you're entitled to make choices of what's best for us. But um, you, you bring up a really actually interesting point, And this is something that Trin and I have talked about um, especially us where our families come from are communists basically or were when they left and we've talked about how history is taught in these places oh yeah if you go to Vietnam it's called a American war they don't really yeah it's like the way they remember it is like the war that America started <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> when you first told me that, because I never really thought about that, like, because I remember you telling me, well, it's just called the war. And I was like, well, that's, you know, what's no, it's interesting. it's the American war. It's not well, the war, it's the American war. But here it's called the, Vietnam. Here we were taught, like, it's Vietnam and they're the bad ones, man. Well, that's <laughs> like, the whole thing. They make people bad people. In the Declaration of Independence, natives, after t- guaranteeing freedom, saying everyone has the right to say this, in paragraph five, it calls us merciless Indian savages. And it says they want to protect against us. We've always been, that's why I get so irritated when people use coded words like aggressive or act civil or things like that. Oh, because, yeah. or when people even say savage, they don't understand what weight that carries yeah. and what that means. And we have like in history books, because they've, they're, for the longest time, have not been written by our people. We were not allowed to open our first college till 1968. That is so crazy. And so the American Indian Wars is always, positioned as we were the aggressors Mm -hmm. we were the savages and that's even when you start talking about land entitlement it was one of those things we've never said that we own the land and a lot of our indigenous languages we don't have words for ownership you don't say my lightning you don't say my mountain you don't say that Mm -hmm. and other people are somehow like i bought this I bought this island. I bought this beach and you're it's just such a different concept and people think because Again, it's a very capitalistic um, concept, but I think people think because we're not we're not taking ownership that somehow we don't understand the value. No, we understand it so well that we're trying to protect it rather than push our beliefs onto it and then make it ours. Mm-hmm. Which or create any kind of ownership. Yeah, but you like, know, 
Sorry. But no, go ahead. <clears throat> I was just going to say what, what's interesting to me is like you said it just before is like, you know, it's these are the stories being passed down. This is history, essentially. And like yeah, communication levels, and how that story is told and who the storyteller is becomes so important totally. when people yeah. want to change words like Texas in 2010 uh, wanted to change uh, a lot of uh forgot what they were, they were editing uh, history textbooks that go into public schools. And what people don't realize about that, Texas is so huge that whatever order they put into to history books or textbooks is going to affect the states around it because states will just buy whatever history book is put oh. out. And so that will be the, uh, what is that? The required like, curriculum. regulations for like what well, goes into Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, like, no, a thousand percent. So this is what happened. The regulations that were put up on the docket and a bunch of people went to the state capitol in Austin to oppose this from multiple states because people who wanted what I get that you may have a bias and I get that you may have like this political push, but do not put that on children because what they were doing, they were changing words because they were trying to make it seem very innocuous. They changed capitalism to free enterprise. They changed the word slavery to a uh, really open. Um, does anyone remember what? that term was that they changed it to, but it was things that took away indentured servitude. Is that what we're like referring to? But you got a room full of fucking No, it was like, these were so words like, that took away from what it was by, cause by calling the something. The weight of what it was. Yeah. Oh, right. By I saying that it's saying. like a yeah. choice. And yeah, that's what, and the thing was, slavery was not a choice for people. Um, like these were not choices, Clearly. but the thing is, these words oh, again, gross. very innocuous. They're like we're just changing this one thing. Um, I remember Whoa, they wiped out. They took like advertisers. They took a lot of natives out because they decided that wasn't curriculum that students needed. They want to prepare them for the future. Is how they worded it, and it's like no, no, you're taking away the past so you can. Yeah, you, know, you send this propagation or like you know whatever propaganda that you want to put out there, and it's. It's ridiculous because this war that adults are fighting about their political powers, which all really boils down to money at the end of the yeah. day. It's like money, and power. Power, power, money, money, power. Yeah. money and privilege. But, but wait a second. But then so so then if you think about it, based on what you just said of like changing words and all those things and like and, and we're talking about skewing stories from like one person's like kind of perspective. I mean, like what you're boiling it down to is you're teaching it to a bunch of people like in the future generations, whatever. And so the people that fit the profile of the person that's the story being told, they feel entitled. Like yes. this is the way that it should be. This it, is what yeah. it boils down to. It's like, they don't feel well, responsible. I'm not related to fucking John Smith. I'm just throwing that as like an act as whatever that thing is when you use a fake name. I didn't mean it. John, <laughs> John Doe. Doe. Thank you. But like, you know. <laughs> I lost track. Thank you. <laughs> but I'm throwing it out there as like a John Doe kind of thing. Like, so then, you know, you've got. Juanita Doe. That's <laughs> Joanne Doe. You've got Joanne Doe. There. <laughs> Same. Well, he sounds like he'd be my fucking uncle at Thanksgiving. So, like, I feel, I, I don't know. It's like, okay. I'm just saying, like, when you pass on these stories and you do them that way, and, like, you fit the profile of the person telling the story, you feel, as, you feel part of that history, even though maybe that's not... Does that make sense? Because okay. <laughs> a lot of times history is something that's passed down. The thing yes. is, if you're passing down incorrect history, that's why a lot of times I'll get frustrated with peers when they don't, when they're kind of ignorant about things that I, 
that I mean every day I have to deal with, but the I don't put my ire on them because my anger lies with the people who the fundamentally system. change. Yeah, yeah, and it's re- it really boils down to the system that was designed for a lot of us to fail in, and a lot of people over time, what was a privilege for them now becomes something that they think they're entitled to. And we see that with, again, with land where there's a lot of people that are, well, they've lived here for, you know, 200 years. In fact, that's where it comes into play when, because people will sometimes ask me, they're like, well, what am I supposed to call you? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I heard American Indian wasn't appropriate. Do I say native? Well, you know, and I like the term indigenous. Everyone has their, you know, there isn't one off at all. Well, and if you do, said native, so I was like, well, no, I do say, native, like, <laughs> but what I was going to like, and then Canada likes first nations. But when you start talking about native, you sometimes have to, to watch your audience. And I didn't know this till I lived on the Flathead Indian reservation and a lot, which is in Montana. And a lot of people call themselves natives. And the thing is, we don't have one phenotype and you can also, you can racially be indigenous, you can ethnically and you can culturally. And sometimes people are not all three. They're just one or two. So like I would meet a lot of people with blonde hair and blue eyes. And that doesn't mean that they're not native. And But they're all telling me that they're native. And I remember asking, I was like, oh, a tribe. They're like, well, I'm native to this area because my grandpa <laughs> lived here. My dad lived here. And I was like, oh, okay, I need to be clearer in the future. And that's why a lot of tribes... A lot of tribes have just started taking back everything, which I applaud greatly. Mm-hmm. But I'm so in fact, like a lot of the names that were called like the Navajos, like that was a word. That's an, a word that was put on them. They're the mm-hmm. Like you have Fort Belknap, which is or Grovon, which Wait, is actually what they're Diné. Dene, which means of the people. Some people say that it means five fingered people, but it's just yeah, it's Dene and the area is Deneta. And like, well, you have this people putting on, but so many people feel in ownership. And then they start feeling, and I, but what I think they're experiencing is what a lot of marginalized communities already experience. That they, the system, the system actually isn't failing. The, the horrible system that was set up is doing its job because now we're fighting with each other and we're imposing these standards on each other. And they gave us this idea that here's this pie. People of privilege get like two thirds of it. So this one third is reserved for all marginalized communities. And so instead we get nervous that, oh, we're not getting ours. So instead of working together, which we we're not often able to because of how fractured they've and everything that they've done to our communities and how they've taken away our history and stuff like this, it becomes fractured. And we start fighting for this one third when it's like, wait, why are we not just asking for our piece of the pie instead of fighting against each other for this one third that doesn't actually exist? Like so, they're pitting you against each other. You're saying when it's they sense. pit it's natives like against you, each other, and I feel like they how? do this with most marginalized communities because we see this right now. We're seeing this actively with Mexico, where they're like, "Well, it's them, not us," and it's like we still have reservations that are on both sides of the border. The Tohono O'odham, you have all these indigenous people. Texas, Texas was not oh, like you know this is land that the U.S. kept buying, but uh, people live there. It's that's what's important. But somehow, suddenly these people that have lived here for, you know, what, a hundred years are entitled to this? Mm-hmm. But wait, so yeah, so, so, so still, I'm just asking, no one's answered mm-hmm. that question. Oh. Do you know the answer? Does anyone know the answer? What is the response when someone asks them, oh. this isn't fucking yours, man. This was ours originally. What do they say back? Does anyone know? Does I'm anyone ever say that to them? And do people even respond or they pretend they don't know? Yeah, no, you've, seen this, you've seen this on... Yeah. The very few times we're given the mic on large yeah. political stages. This happened recently.
recently with Mauna Kea, which is um, in Hawaii. There was a sacred mountain. There's a lot of sacred land down there. Um, but they wanted to build this huge telescope on one of the sacred they mountains. Did. Well, this is the problem. And I'm coming from an area where it's like my background is an indigenous. I'm also like I was working for AAA at like a huge science organization. So I, I love I, I understand the advancement of science, but it's like these are indigenous people and no one's listening to them. And when they're saying like this is our land, this is and no one's there is no response. People feel like they don't even have to give us a response, which to me is an even more slap That's in the face. So is it like just like kind of a runaround of the like? Yeah. Like if you're asked from a, a public forum, all right, fine. Maybe I sound like an idiot, but I'm just curious. Like, so is it just kind of like a repeating your question and re- saying it in so many circles until you dizzy an audience and they go, okay. <laughs> yeah, but the but I think what people need to even realize even more is that we don't even get the mic. Like the one or two times that we do get the mic, they don't feel like they deserve. Like they don't have to give us a response. It's like look at that native being a native. Um, look at like, and that's what it. I had so many people tell me and they mean they might mean well but they'll tell me things like oh she's just that angry native woman yeah, like gross. she's just this and people mm. don't seem it's not about being i feel mm. like if you want to see me angry that's different i'm trying to explain to you what the system is doing and maybe these are these are possibly ways that we can change it but either way we need to start doing something about it now um, and that's my ancestors have been doing that. Like my grand, and you know, it, it is one of those things that I stand on the shoulders of all the generations that came before me. There's a lot of amazing natives out there doing stuff. And the thing is, we just don't hear about it. You just don't yeah. see it until it meets this like Western standard. So, which makes me think about, you know, like the mascots. Yeah. So I'm from Urbana, Illinois, right? Yeah. And I know there was like this whole controversy about, uh, uh, what is it? Chief Illini? Right? Yeah. Because it's this, like, usually it's a white dude with paint on his face and feathers acting like a caricature of what we see in cartoons of Native Americans. And so, you know, like, there was, like, some vote that happened about, like, changing the mascot. And unfortunately, um, you know, the majority wins. So it's not even like you have a chance, even though you're, like... It's about your culture, you know? So it was just kind of fucked up when I heard about it. And and then, like, I see people who are, like, Redskins fans. And it's just, like, I People are I more entitled to their, like, sports team mascot than I am entitled to self-respect in my culture. And that's Jeez. what it boils down that to. That is super Because the thing up. is, you ask most people to name five famous natives. Yeah, they'll tell you Pocahontas. Oh, they'll tell God. you Jerome. They'll tell you, no, 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 name five. I'm not even asking in one field, name five famous natives. You live on our land. You should be able to do this. Nothing, nothing. But do not have me come for them if they want their, like, their, you know, their sports team, Blackhawks, all of this. And they try to explain it. That's what, he, that's oh, what hurts more yeah. when people try to explain away my frustration because you're not hearing me. I've had people tell me, well, they're honoring you. You... Did we choose Our to be Our producer's this? head just bounced back like three feet. She went, what? <laughs> but the thing Silently. is, it's, that's the kind of entitlement. People are more entitled to their comfort than a marginalized person or a person coming from a marginalized community. And you, again, it's not just indigenous people in the U.S. that are dealing with this. There's a lot of people who... Women, when you look at... We've been... 
for so long we've been socially conditioned where it's like, well, like it's better off we're more uncomfortable than making somebody yeah. else uncomfortable because you don't want to be that woman or you don't want to be a shrill harpy or like you don't want to be this. And it, you, you start thinking about it. It's like, wait, what am I doing that's different than what this person is doing? Or how am I speaking that's different than this person is speaking? But it's like they're entitled to their words, to their opinion, to their thoughts. But I, I have to ask. Yeah. All right, all right, I'm going <laughs> to... So how is everybody feeling? What are you guys thinking about this Sour Power OG? I mean, I feel fine. I thought I didn't have great tolerance, but I think I'm tolerant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is real. It's one of those where it's like, I don't feel it too much, but it's like the fact that I can keep my thoughts organized. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I actually got to say it's, it, you know, in contrast to other ways where I have like severe ADHD and just in life where I have like severe ADHD, um, it's helping me like w- keep my like train of thought actually. And like, I'm very much able to follow yours and yours while we're having a conversation. Like, Oh, I got a question about that. Hold on. I'm going to, you know, mark that as ask it after. And it does have me like feeling energized. I honestly think this would be a good strain for getting shit done. If I'm being honest, uh, like I would definitely use this to like run errands Cause like you keep focus, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Or that, like, I guess I could go to work with this. Yeah, stuff. like I could definitely <laughs> like smoke and go to work and like yeah. concept and write, which usually I can't write that much when I'm high. And I think this yeah. would be one that it's like an energy. This is a finals week type. Yeah, there keeping you, go. you focused and it's getting stuff done. Exactly. Very political I'm gonna, weed. I'm gonna, <laughs> hey, it's better for you than Adderall. <laughs> this is not an ad. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna spark it one more time though. Everyone take another hit. Let's see how we feel after like a few more hits though, you know? What do you think qualifies someone to say they are native or indigenous? Yeah, what entitles you to that heritage? Yeah, like you know, some people are like like I see it in movies all the time. Like I saw it in Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think like someone's like, I'm this percentage of this. And you yeah. Know, so that's the blood quantum right? system. And the blood quantum system was imposed. It really starts from the 1708 Virginia laws. And then it was heavily imposed further to, to basically quantify how native you are, which is impossible. How can you quantify what somebody is? And you know, the only other groups in the U.S. that use that, it's called the Certificate Degree of Indian Blood. You'll hear people call it CIB or CD, CDIB. <laughs> The CDIB, basically the only other groups in the U.S. that use that are horses and dogs. The fuck? Exactly. Jeez. And the thing is, the way that the system, especially in 1934, when you started getting the Indian termination policy in place, which the fact that it's called the Indian termination policy, oh my God. We were under the Department of War, which because we were under the Department of Interior because we were considered warring peoples up until like the 80s. Like this is how we've been treated in the U.S. And we can get more into that part later. But jumping back to blood quantum so this system when you start thinking about it it's not sustainable because every generation you're automatically gonna like because you're taking part of your mother and part of your father and so like let's say i marry an ojibwe i'm stockbridge every tribe is now able and this is where the government's like oh well we don't have anything to do with it we don't uphold this anymore but you did it for a hundred years so we're gonna automatically our rights are tied into this piece of paper that says that we're native So, and a lot of tribes will have a half quantum or a quarter quantum. So let's say you marry somebody from another tribe. Well, your kid, you can't add a quantum. So you have to pick one. And then if they don't meet it, then on paper, they're automatically 
they're automatically non-Indigenous. And the thing is, that means that they can't vote in their elections. That means that they don't have rights to land. That means that they can't even perform certain ceremonies or stuff like that, because we have to have all of our paperwork for that. So this is a horrible system. And that's why when it, that's why I'm usually really clear when it comes to saying race, culture, and ethnicity are different things. They're related. Because I say that as a person of, I'm indigenous. And walking down the street, nobody looks at me and thinks, oh, that French woman. But at the same time, people may not think... Oh, like she's indigenous. A lot of times people think, assume I'm a Latin or they assume. And so the thing is, but I also, when I go back to the res and there's colorism and there's things like that. And my sister who's darker than me, like family members who are darker than me are experiencing life different than I am. I mean, I'm still getting my bags checked at the store. I'm still having to deal with that. And pointing out your privilege and pointing out this doesn't take away from what you're experiencing. But I think it's important because when... Oftentimes, because I am the first Native people have met, or that they think they, they've probably met other Natives, they just don't know, they'll say things like, well, if you're able to do that, and that came up a lot with coding and tech, because people were just like, how are you able to do that? Like, are there other Natives? And I was like, wait, I had the privilege of having a public library I could go to. It's really important that I acknowledge this, because I don't want you to think that or uphold the stereotype that other natives can't. But Jumping. how does that fucking make you feel when someone says like, whoa, like it's almost like a shocking thing. Like, oh, like, oh, oh there's man. a lot of things like that. I, I mean, people, even the way they give compliments, I went on this horrible date where, yeah, where this guy is like, you're really pretty for a native girl. And it was one of those <laughs> moments where you're just kind of like, what, what does that even mean? Or else I usually get, you talk really well. And it's like, would you say this to anyone else? Do you think, let me ask you a question though. I'm just curious. Do you think, I was having this conversation the other day that, I think it might've been yesterday actually, or the day before, with someone, oh yeah, I was with HR guy. <laughs> Isn't that the saddest part? Uh, no, not because I was making a complaint, but homeboy wanted to meet everyone and was like, let's have a meeting. Anyway. Is this the one that called me? I know who you're talking about. Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, okay, but you guys actually like really nice. He's actually all right. He's, he's really nice. nice. He's a lovely guy, I gotta say. He's just trying to make friends, man. No, um, he's really he, sweet. I also love it. Sorry, did you? Oh, yeah, I go. also love that he's like an actual person that comes from an HR department at a real company. Oh, it's a, yeah. It's a, he's, he's like, this place year, is fucking crazy. He was yeah. the reason they brought in natives last week to talk to the building. Uh, that becomes a whole nother problem because the I thing didn't know is, about that. well, I kept trying to say, you can't just bring in people. I was like, what is their background? But I was like, I also have to pause and it's like, wait, this is like, nice first attempt. Next time, make sure they have academic authority. Mm-hmm. This That's leads me to my point of where I was coming uh-huh. from when talking about that guy. <laughs> Because I was talking to him about this, and that's what I was going to ask you, is he said, do you ever think people are just coming from a good place? Because I said, you know, I would like if I was not just thrown into the Latinx group when I got hired, like, oh, Sarah Minacho, Latinx group, boom. And I was just like, I don't know, it's not cool. And he's like, but do you ever think people are just like coming from a good place to like try and make you feel comfortable? And here's the thing, in Portland, I feel like many people have the best intent, but it comes out so fucking wrong, so incorrect. Like, I don't know how many times I've been so made aware of the fact that I am Latin, that I'm Cuban, that I am, you know, any of these things in this fucking city. But I know it's people... But I know that sometimes people are trying to come from the best place and they're trying not to be ignorant, but they sound like assholes. And yeah. Not. So, th- like, do you the feel thing, like that's ever... Been? I feel like most people just do not 
understand. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't don't think of me, my culture, and think of me as a person. There's a tendency to place us into the stereotype of like feathers and teepees and things that they've seen in movie and we're not an existing group that's battling the government for rights. It's not this like dramatic, romantic, we're on horseback shooting. Like, no, 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 we're still battling for the same rights. We're battling for clean water out in Browning. We're battling for the uranium mines to be closed down on the net. We're battling for land rights, for recognition. We're battling to take away these like blood quantum, these horrible things that have been put onto us. We're just battling for equal rights. Um, and that's where, and I also have to go back. There are people with bad intent. And I think for the most part, most people mean well. And if somebody does have bad intent, like most of the time it's coming from a place of they're either really hurt, like they're either, because I've run into this where it's like, oh, this person, this person is coming at me because they haven't had the privilege of knowing their culture. And oftentimes, perhaps it may be like, they're viewing this as like, why does she has access to this or that or misinformation actually to jump back. It's misinformation because a lot of times people think natives get free money from casinos. They think that we're living out on the res and going to school for free or this or that. That's not the reality, but that's all you see in the media. If they talk about natives, that's what you see. It's teepees. It's stuff like this. And the thing is people will have that misunderstanding and then push that onto other people. And that's why it's really important that when you're talking about stats and you're talking about facts that you're using actual ones because people are listening. Mm -hmm. They mean well. And so when they get upset about something, they're upset because again, they think that they're fighting for this little piece of the pie. And they're like, this person over here got to go to school for free, got to do this. By the way, I went to a tribal college. I went to two and I had to pay for both of them. And I had to pay thousands for both of them. And I think that's what people don't seem to because again, the I, I really feel it stems from the government. The way mm-hmm. that it was placed is like, oh well, we gave them this land. We gave them you you. St- it's like me coming into your house and saying, leave now, but you can take this fork. And it's like I can be like, well, I gave her a fork. and i think that you know again that is a certain sense of entitlement that people have and then also people feel entitled i do feel sometimes people mean so well that they don't stop to check where that wellness is coming from is it coming from a place of saviorship because a lot of times people think oh i can come onto the res and i can i can build schools and i can help them and i can make this for them and it's like have you asked us what we want. Have you, and I can't just go on to any, that's the thing. There's 500, I want to say 574 now federally recognized tribes in the U S and about 172 reservations. Don't quote me on that exact, but the thing is we're all quite different. I mean, you, I can't just go onto a reservation and assume that I have rights to this story or this culture or this or that. And the thing is, I say that as an indigenous woman. So who, does this person mm-hmm. who may have grown up loving the, oh, I run into that a lot. And I'm sure all of you guys do where it's people who are just like, I really love your culture. And they'll say it in other ways. Like people will randomly bring up, like, I love turquoise. And I'm just like, wait, I'm on the bus. Like what, what does this have to do with <laughs> I feel like, so the lesson here is just, like, you are always invited. Yeah. So just stay away. <laughs> if you see us at a bar, walk the other direction because you're probably mildly insulting us. <laughs> No matter what. I just want to ask on a final note. Like, how did everyone feel? I'm going to give my final review. 
Um, I really like this one. It was pretty relaxing. It was still pretty energetic. It was more uh, energetic than I thought it would be, considering this idea to have a pretty high tolerance for it. You definitely do, I think. But I felt like energetic a little bit. Yeah, fine. Loss of focus this or that much, but not too bad. I don't know. It was good. Yeah. What'd you think? And and not hungry, which was that is so fuck. True. That's yeah, a yeah. new that's a new one for me. Actually, I also stopped tasting the skunk flavor <laughs> towards the end. Um, yeah, I definitely felt energetic. I did get lost a few times, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I feel like maybe I just didn't take that many hits because it's like now I feel it wearing off, and it's just my thoughts are all over the place. But I did like it in the very beginning. I think this is, and it's a clean sort of kill off. Like it's. hmm. Yeah, it feels nice. I really like it. So, I mean, you know, if it is possible and around for you, Sour Power OG, definitely give it a try. If you're in Oregon, Deep Creek is the brand to get it from. We're big fans of. Deep Creek. Not trying to get a sponsorship, but you know. Anyway, we'd like to say thanks for joining us on our journey for higher tolerance today. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. And as always, remember to be nice and righteous towards others because you never know the kind of shit someone has to deal with today and the kind of tolerance they're putting up with. And thank you, Robin, for joining us. And that's it. Thank you. <laughs> and true. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This episode of High Tolerance was produced by Sarita Wesley, edited by Sarah Minacho, me. Theme music and mixed by Overcoast, and a shout out to Leafly for the strain on, wait, no. A shout out to Leafly for the strain on info. Info. <laughs> <laughs> you can't read that word.